الجزيرة بودكاست The initial reports were shocking. People stabbed, evicted from their homes, and fired from their jobs. On social media, a video of another racist attack on black migrants in Tunisia. Black men and women say they are arbitrarily rounded up by police because of the color of their skin. Some injured and unable to walk after the beatings. Racist attacks aimed at anyone and everyone with black skin spread across Tunisia. And many blame the country's president, Kais Sayed, for helping launch them. On February 21st, Sayed called migration through Tunisia a conspiracy to change Tunisia's demographics by making it more African than Arab. Kais Sayed said, quote, hordes of sub-Saharan Africans were changing the demographic makeup of the country. This is wholly untrue, but riled up racism in the country nonetheless. So what are Black residents of Tunisia facing now? And where will the president's policies end? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. There are things Alpha Ture appreciates about Tunisia, like the International Organization of Migration in the capital Tunis. That's where we reached him. He's very happy with the help he's received from the IOM offices there. I'm so glad with the IOM. They decide to carry my wife and my baby to the hotel. I'm so glad for that. Alpha's friends call him Nice, a nickname he's had for a while, courtesy of his reputation as a nice guy. But he's been through a lot recently. And I'm going to ask you to bear with his audio here. He recorded himself outside. You'll hear why in a minute. Nice's story started on August 10th of last year. There were massive anti-government protests in his home country, Sierra Leone. The protests are some of the most violent Sierra Leone has seen. Several people were killed when demonstrators and the police clashed. And I lost so many people in my family, so I decided to leave the country. And like so many people, he headed north. When he got to Tunisia, there were two choices. Find a place to stay or get on a boat for Europe. He found a place to stay and it became a home. So I live with my two brothers and I have my wife, my daughter, and my wife is pregnant. He was staying with his family and other people from sub-Saharan Africa. I came in Tunisia with nothing. And it wasn't easy. Apart from being a recent refugee, inflation has been rising in Tunisia, like in a lot of places. Food is expensive. Everything is expensive. And then a month ago, he told us, even before the speech by Tunisia's president, authorities started doing immigration roundups. The policemen, they start to find the blacks that do not have papers. And they started searching houses. Nice says they knew where black people were living. And eventually, they were at his door. And many people living there were taken away by the police. Some of them do not have paper. They leave us because we have this refugee card. They leave us. Then the president of Tunisia, Kais Sayed, announced that undocumented immigrants in the country, these are his words now, 
are part of a conspiracy to change the country's demographic to make it majority African, not Arab. Political dissidents and illegal migrants. Those are the people that should be blamed for Tunisia's spiraling economic crisis, according to the country's controversial president, Kais Saied. Nice says almost immediately, people were at his door. Not police this time, civilians, and lots of them, with knives and other weapons. So after then, these Tunisian people, as soon as they hear this message that the president said, they decide to find where black people stays, to removing people outside. That's what they did to me. That's what they did to me. They are coming to steal, coming with these sharp, sharp weapons, different weapons. So if you, if you mistakes, to just kill you and leave you there. Just imagine, I have my, my wife, I have my baby. My wife is pregnant. I have my two brothers. I ran away from my place because of my life. And once he got out, he called his landlord, trying to see if anyone could help. My landlord, he tried to do something, but my landlord cannot fight them because there are plenty. What I faced there is too much for me. It's too much between me and my family. But if he wasn't safe in his own home, where would he be safe? Where are we going? No place. No place to go. If you move from Tunis, you go Sus, you miss another problem there. So we just decide to stay outside because the place where we stay, although it's not good for us, it's not safe. So, but we are okay because the life comes first. That's why I'm sleeping outside. For now, he and at least 100 other people in his situation are sleeping outside the International Organization for Migration Office in Tunis. My name is Fadl Alirza. I'm a journalist, a researcher. I founded the news outlet Mishkel.org in 2019, covering Tunisian politics, economics, culture. Fadl has been reporting on Tunisia for years, and lately he's hearing a lot of stories like Nice's. You recently wrote an article for Mishkal.org entitled Black People Attacked, Evicted in Tunisia After President's Racist Statement, which pretty well sums up what we're talking about now. What are people telling you? What is your team on the ground hearing and seeing? Yeah, well, the reporter that I worked closely with on our last report, Lina Bilhaj, she was talking to not just immigrants from other African countries, but even Black Tunisians who said that In the days immediately following the president's statement, they were the victims of physical attacks. And while there's been racism in the past and comments and harassment even, the sort of physical aggression that we've seen really spiked after the president's statement on the 21st, and people have been kicked out of their homes. And so people who spoke to our reporter were left without a place to go. People found themselves camping out of their embassies or camping out outside of international aid organizations that work with migrants. President Sayed is framing this around immigration. Are you seeing parallels to rhetoric from Europe and around the world, or is there something about this that's also uniquely Tunisian? Yeah, it was it was quite a shocking statement. The president hasn't used discourse quite like this before. He's certainly used conspiracy theories. He's said that there's elements uh, at play that he hasn't named specifically who are trying to undermine stability in Tunisia. But never has he lashed out specifically at Black African immigrants in the way that he has. 
There's a couple factors that seem to be going on here. There's a Tunisian party, political party, called the Tunisian Nationalist Party, that has really been pushing this sort of line the president has adopted. There's also very clear parallels, I think, to European, not just rhetoric on migration, but even some of the policies. Actually, after the president's statement, we saw far-right French politician Eric Zemmour tweet in support of President Kaysaid, saying that this is exactly what we're talking about. The reaction from Zamour, a former French presidential candidate, didn't surprise Fadl. He says President Sayed's recent speech seems to mirror the policies of far-right politicians like Zamour in both France and Italy. You know, Tunisia is both a transit country and a destination country. But as a transit country, because of its proximity to Europe, we've seen quite a lot of cooperation, particularly between Italy and Tunisia on trying to crack down on migration. And of course, we've also seen recently a far right-wing government come to power in Italy. And since they've come to power, they've actually focused on North Africa. So we saw the Italian foreign minister meeting with the Tunisian president this January, talking about cooperation on stopping migration flows. Even after the president, Kaysaid's statement, on the 21st, the Italian foreign minister put out a statement about supporting Tunisia's bid to get a loan from the IMF. Wow. And do you see those two things as related? Is that coincidental, that timing, or not? It raised enough eyebrows that people have been talking about it. There's been quite a lot written speculating about it. And at the moment, it's speculation. But it is, certainly is following a pattern of what seems to be closer relations between Italy and Tunisia, specifically on cutting down migration northwards. And this is something that follows on a pattern of the EU really trying to get Tunisia to be a country since 2018 of screening migrants before they even leave the shores of Africa towards European shores. So there's, there's sort of clear indicators of policy that is being shaped in cooperation with one another. But there is resistance to President Sayed's speech too. What that looks like and how he's managing the reaction after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera. We carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. We've been talking to Fadl Alireza about the Tunisian president's latest inflammatory statements on people from sub-Saharan Africa. Fadl knows Tunisia well, and he's been following how this is being perceived inside and outside the country. So the African Union has condemned Tunisia, and it urged the country to avoid using, quote, racialized hate speech. President Sayed has denied that what he said was racist, and he softened visa rules for African citizens. But he also repeated his assertion about the plot to change Tunisia's demographics. So which is it? How are people weighing these two things? Well, it seems that maybe this apparent change of tack or these assurances that what the president said wasn't racism is very much being directed to international media. Responding to some of the outrage, the horror and the shock that we've seen in international press about some of the violence that's been unleashed. 
to Tunisia now, where a wave of raids and arrests is drawing international condemnation. Dozens of migrants say they no longer feel safe amid an officially sanctioned climate of fear. International media were invited to a press conference just a couple days ago held by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to make these sort of clarifications. But these sort of new steps that have been announced, such as instituting a hotline for people who feel they may be victims of racism within Tunisia, this sort of extension of visas from three months to six months, we would have to see whether there's any real follow-up on these, whether there's actual implementation. I think that if you were to sort of ask people whether they have a lot of trust right now in the Tunisian state, I think it would be a difficult one to sort of buy at this moment. There seems to be two prongs to this, and one is immigration policies, and then the other prong is the racism that has ensued. What do you make of the reaction from everyday Tunisians to these comments against people from Sub-Saharan Africa or Black Tunisians? I think there's real polarization. It hit a nerve amongst people who saw what the president said, heard what the president said, and were horrified. And basically took to marching in downtown Tunis. And as they were marching along, something that our reporter Shahadina Belhaj captured was actually there were black people from their apartments, from the terraces, who were sort of shouting and clapping and cheering to see that there were actually people on the streets who were marching against racism. Mm -hmm. And for many, it was a moving moment because so many black people who've been targeted in violent attacks in Tunis, uh, the capital, but other cities as well, have been staying home. You know, some of the, the protests have been getting maybe more organized. We definitely saw the introduction of the main labor union in a major sort of protest where they directly talked about political repression. Oftentimes, they've tried to limit their criticism of the president to maybe more economic issues. Kais Syed's speech broke something in Tunisia. He wounded us in a very deep way. This wound can't be healed for years. And it includes all this violence and discrimination on the basis of color, race, nationality. This will have very serious consequences for Tunisian society. And there's certainly a group of people for whom the president's discourse has struck a chord. It's difficult to tell which vision will win out, but it certainly points to increasing polarization and maybe increasing political tensions going forward. I know you've reported on racism in Tunisia before, so that is not necessarily new. Can you tell me a little bit about your reporting? Sure, yeah. My own conversations with uh, migrants from other African countries in Tunisia, they've told me actually particularly People from the Ivory Coast have been the main targets of extra scrutiny by police who've stopped them on the street, who um, harass them. Of course, there's also Black Tunisians, uh, friends as well, colleagues, other people who do journalism and uh, writing on political affairs who have described to me not just a, a racism, but also maybe a, a sort of a, a blindness or a real unwillingness on the part of Tunisians to even talk about race and racial differences. Oftentimes, maybe sometimes hearkening back 
to social hierarchies that even go back to the time when, when slavery was a thing in Tunisia. And I've also talked to musical religious communities that are primarily black, who in many ways see their small communities as a safe haven from some of the challenges of trying to live in Tunisia as a black person, even if they are Tunisian. Oftentimes, sometimes they've said they've been treated as foreigners, even if they know no other country but Tunisia and speak you know, no other language but uh, you know Tunisian dialect of Arabic. These comments, of course, come after a series of moves from the president that his critics have called authoritarian. And the last time we had you on the podcast, we were talking about some of those moves. Just as a summary, the president suspending parliament, suspending the prime minister. He sacks the new prime minister transferring parliamentary power to himself, dissolving parliament. I announce today, at this historical moment, the dissolution of council. Firing judges. It's an unconstitutional power grab that could lead to a dictatorship. Where do things stand now when it comes to Tunisia's democracy? In a way, the president's concentration of power under the presidency has definitely made a difference. This is really direction from the top, and this is really where policy is going. You know, policies and agendas are really set by the president alone, with not a lot of checks and balances left in the system. So the fact that he said this, and then we've seen actual increasing violence against, not just like I said, Black migrants from other parts of Africa, but even Black Tunisians, that's really been a factor here. So what happens next? Will there be an election? I think it's a question mark. There's certainly people who have called for early presidential elections under the new system, saying that President Kaysaid's tenure actually needs to be renewed with an election. At the moment, it doesn't seem like the president is treating the political opposition with the kind of esteem you would need to, to really have a fairly contested election. And nice who has been outside the International Office of Migration for more than two weeks now, is worried about the coming elections, too. Now let's watch. This is not an election time. If election comes, what will happen next to the Blacks? I do not expect it in this country. These Arab people, they think we the Black people, we are all slaves. But normally, the Black people and the Arab people, we are all the same. Let's forget about the color. We are all the same. And it's not just what happened over the past month. It's more than that, he says. When we are living with them in this country, we face a lot. If you walk with them, if you are in the same taxi with them, the way they look at we, the black people, they think that we are like slaves. That is not good. But we are just keeping faith. We are just here because we are here to hustle. We are here to find something. So I just want to advise some of my brothers and sisters for them to be careful with these Arab peoples, with these Tunisians, for them to be careful with them. So let's just watch. This thing is not good, but this is my advice for black people that live in Tunis. And that's The Take. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Take wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us. We'd love to hear what you think. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at AJE Podcasts on Twitter or Instagram. 
This episode was produced by Amy Walters with Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Nagin Oliai, Ashish Malhotra, Khalid Sultan, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan, and our engagement producers are Adam Abugad and Munira Altusari. Our executive producer is Alexandra Locke, and Ney Alvarez is our head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>